We're going to continue on our, our um, series of stories, and today it's my wife's story that you get to hear from today. And uh, I'm excited to share the story, and then when she's done, I'm going to share a little bit uh, more about some of the things that we're talking about today and um, about this whole series uh, called It's Time to Tell Your Story. So with that, will you please say a warm, passion hello to the special guest, uh, who is Jennifer Moore. Yeah, I can't say Jen because He's we're in front inter- of... interview me. Yeah, so. I'm interviewing you, so I have so. to be official. I have a mic. I know, so what's your first question? <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're getting right to it. All right. So tell us a little bit about your life before Christ as a child. Okay, so um, several of you have probably heard my testimony before, but I'm hoping today that maybe you'll grab a little nugget, you know, from it um, and see how God was with me and is with all of us even before we accept Christ, even when we're really little. So I was raised in a wonderful uh, home with two loving parents, oldest of three daughters, and we always went to vacation Bible school, and we grew up in Streetsboro. And um, we didn't go to church except for maybe Christmas and Easter. But I remember going to vacation Bible school and hearing about Jesus and singing songs. And I loved those songs, as you can imagine. And it really stuck with me. And I don't know if my mom remembers this, but it really stands out to me as maybe a kindergartner or first grader of after going to VBS saying, Mommy, we have to pray. You know, do you remember that, Mom? I don't know, but I remember it. So I'm like, okay, okay, let's pray. And, and we folded our hands. And I'm like, no, no, we have to kneel at the foot of our bed, of my bed, and pray. And so that stands out in my mind, Mom. And I remember praying, and I was a very shy child. I was born pigeon-toed. I had to wear these terrible braces on my legs, and I felt very self-conscious, and I was like the kid who hid behind their parents, you know, or cried whenever they had to talk to somebody, shake their hand, you know, and I was just like very terrified of that. And as a child, I remember being in first grade, and the teacher, I had gotten my braces off, but the teacher made me walk straight. So she would call me out in front of the whole class and say, Jennifer, go back and walk straight. So I'd have to try and walk straight. And it just was hard on me, and I was so shy, and kids made fun of me. And if you were ever bullied in school, maybe you can kind of relate Um, not because of my feet at this time, but I was so quiet when I'd get on the bus, all the kids would hide down in the seat and then I'd pick their seat to sit down and then they'd say, get out of my seat. And they're so mean. Aren't kids mean sometimes? So um, I just was very quiet and shy and we moved from Streetsboro to Edinburgh out here and we went to Southeast and I decided I'm going to be a new person. I am not going to be shy anymore. I'm going to talk to people and I, I did my best and I remember being in fifth grade and um, Mrs. Eckenrode's class, I think, and uh, the Gideons came to our school, and they were handing out these little Bibles, and I still have my little red New Testament that the Gideons gave us, and I thought, I am, I'm so interested and curious about this, and so I started just praying again at night, because I just felt alone, you know, and shy and quiet, and so I was trying to be a new person at this new school, and I just started praying the Lord's Prayer every night. And I did that through middle school. And then you get to uh, seventh grade. It's awful. So how many of you had a great time in middle school? I didn't. It was, it was awful. But I found at my new school that I could be accepted and popular and liked if I had a boyfriend. And so did you ever get those little notes? Will you go with me? Circle yes or no. And so... 
Tanya, like, Miss Tanya just pointed to Chaz. Did you send <laughs> him a note? Or did you send her a note? Yeah, okay, right, right. So anyway, I, I found acceptance in, in having a boyfriend. And so really from that point on, I always had somebody I either liked, somebody I was going with, and we never went anywhere. And, you know, it's so silly. And, and I just kind of went down that path of finding my love and acceptance in someone else. And I, I remember being one of those boy-crazed teenagers. And I'm really sorry, Mom, about that. I remember being a boy-crazed <laughs> teenager. And that's all I thought about. And so that became my idol. And we weren't really going to church, so I didn't, I didn't have that influence, you know, in my life. And I was really going down the wrong path. And um, I got to high school still having a boyfriend all the time and um, still pigeon-toed a little bit. And so I, I vowed I am not going to be pigeon-toed in high school. And so I decided I'm going to walk so straight. And I really overcompensated, I guess. I don't know. But I was so popular that when I would walk past the football table, and I don't know if Buddy remembers this because Buddy's two years older than me, I'd walk past the football table at lunch and the guys would quack, 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 because they said I walked like a duck. And they even had a duck call. And that was my nickname, and I was so popular. Everybody knew Quackers, this little freshman girl who walked like she was a duck. And I, I still thought I was walking wrong, so I was still overcompensating. And, and it, I was mortified on the inside, but on the outside, I'm, I was like, oh, ha, 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 it's okay. But it wasn't, you know. And I had so many terrible nicknames in high school, I just hated it. But, um, you know, I still had a boyfriend, and I found acceptance in that. And so I was finding love in all the wrong places. And it's a good old song, right? And I had this God-shaped hole in my heart. I was just trying to fill with other people. And I went to college that way. Um, And I didn't know Christ. Um, I didn't know the Lord, but I knew I was missing something. And in the summer, I would work at Chautauqua, and we'd, I worked at a Presbyterian house, and we'd hear prayers, and pastors would come in, and I was just kind of intrigued by that and interested in that and knowing who is this God, who is Jesus, you know? And I don't know if you've ever felt like you've been in a place where you're just searching for something and you just don't know what it is, you know? And I see people who are like that now. They're filling their life with so much junk, and all they need is the Lord. They need Jesus. So um, in, in college, I had seeds planted. Um, we were in a choir in college. I was a music major, of course, and um, we always went on choir tour. And there was a really strong go- group of Christians in my college, and we called them the God Squad. So this is my, I'm ashamed to say this, but you know what? It brought me to the Lord. So the God Squad would sit in the front of the tour bus and pray for us, for us heathens in the back of the bus. And I wasn't like that. I wasn't that bad of a kid, but I mean, I was doing things I shouldn't be doing, right? Um, as far as having relationships with people and just finding love somewhere else. And so they would always be praying for us bad kids in the back. And, and they were nice people, but we just called them the God Squad. And, and wouldn't you know, um, the summer before my senior year of college, I got pregnant. And I feel like that pregnancy saved my life on so many levels. Because I feel like I was really spiraling down. And I was not making healthy choices and things like that. So I got pregnant, and I come back to my little school of Otterbein College, the pregnant girl. The first pregnant girl that I had ever seen on campus, you know? And so everybody's like, do you need counseling? We're here to help you. And I'm like, no, 
I got this. I'm independent. I'm strong. And and here was me still putting up that front that I had put up in high school, just saying, oh, ha, 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 it's okay. No, I was, like, crushed inside. It was awful. It was the worst time of my life. It really was because I felt so alone, and everybody was there to help me, but I wouldn't have it. I, I could do it by myself. You know, and so many times we think that. We think we could do this on our own, and it's in that moment that that moment where we think we can when we realize we can't that we need the lord and so um here i am pregnant living in my sorority house had to break up with my boyfriend i had at college because i came back to school pregnant i mean this was this was not good people it was bad and so i felt very alone and i had one good friend who a, a lady who befriended me and who helped me so much and she was an adult degree student adult she was 26 and I thought she was so old, you know, and she was being so nice to me and helping me and studying. And, and then probably, I don't know, into the second quarter of college, she asked, are you going to keep your baby? And I felt betrayed, like, she just wants my baby. That's the only reason why she was friends with me. And I don't think that's true, but I felt that way. And so I'm like, put up the walls again. No, I'm keeping my baby. Thank you. I'm, I don't need you you know and so here we are are on choir tour in January and I'd made plans to drive back to Akron for Lamaze classes with my sorority sisters like that was really going to happen from Columbus you know and um I was going to have the baby and keep it and and I don't really know how (laughs) but we we had kind of a plan and so in January I came up to Cleveland with my choir uh and we were singing at a music convention and it's kind of funny because it was January of 1991, and there's so many different parts to everybody's testimony, you know. So later on, I'll meet this guy, right? I won't get that far today. But we realized that we were at the same music convention at the same time. Later on, when we were talking, he was there singing with his choir, and I was there singing with mine. And it was so cool to think we were in the same place at the same time. And it's important, and I'm telling you all this because that is um, the place, Cleveland Convention Center, that I gave my life to Christ. And on the bus ride up to our bus ride, I wasn't feeling good. And guess where I sat? In the front of the bus with the God Squad kids because they were the only ones who were nice to me. They accepted me and they loved me. And everybody in the back was kind of like, Ooh, she's bad. You know, she did this. And so I, I was not accepted anymore with the friends I had. And so I was sitting in the front of the bus was Rosina Veneta. And I need to get in touch with her because she uh, led me to Christ in the bathroom of the Cleveland Convention Center. And it was after the concert was over. I had not been feeling well. And the baby was supposed to be born like May 15th. And this was January 31st or something like that. And I just didn't feel good. It felt like heavy and like it, the baby had dropped. And so she had prayed for me on the bus ride up. Oh, can I pray for you? You know, hope you feel better. Hope you're protected, blah, blah, blah. But then later that night after the concert in the bathroom, I still don't feel very good. And she's like well, can I pray for you again? And she asked me the million-dollar question that everybody needs to to practice saying. And she said, have you accepted Christ before? And it was just very nonchalant. And I'm like, no. And I was upset. I was crying at the time because I didn't feel good. I'm like, no. And she's like, well, and here's the the phrase. you got to all practice. Well, is there any reason why you wouldn't do it right now? 
And I'm like, no. It's so, it's so in the bathroom of the Cleveland Convention Center, I gave my life to Christ. And here he was at the same location. God had this all planned, you know. He had plans for us, and we didn't even know it at the time. But I gave my life to Christ, um, and I went back home not feeling well, went right to the emergency room, and ended up staying because I was already dilated four and a half and had no idea. I had no clue. And so I ended up staying in the hospital two weeks until baby Zach was born on Valentine's Day, able to breathe uh, by the grace of God because they had been giving me shots of surfactant that whole two weeks that I was in the hospital. So for those two weeks, I was upside down, um, you know, on magnesium and all that good stuff, trying to keep the baby in. But God had other plans, and Rosina came to the hospital, and we decided to name the baby because I wanted a biblical name. I wanted to learn all about this, you know, Jesus. And so we were searching the Old Testament, and we decided on Zechariah for King Zechariah, and Zachary means God remembers. So God remembered that baby and, and allowed him to be born healthy. And he stayed in the hospital six weeks as I finished my third quarter. We moved into my aunt's house, and I was able to graduate college by the grace of God and move back home and began my journey as a single mom. And um, that was really, really a hard time. Should I keep going? Or? Sure. Okay. He, <laughs> we practiced this, and he was going to ask me a question in the middle, just three questions, but I kind of drove past that. Sorry. So, so here I am saved. Here I am saved, living back at home, teaching here. I taught here. We had concerts here on this stage, 91, 92. And I, I was going to Kent just to take some classes. And, and God worked it out that I could get my master's there as a TA. But I was still going through so much turmoil because I had accepted Christ, but I didn't know him. And it was hard being a single mom, you know, even with great parents helping to take care of the baby. Zach was on a monitor, and, and he was fine. I'm so thankful, but it was hard. And so I started working full-time at Crestwood, and, and I felt I, we started going to church in Edinburgh more often. I was singing in the choir. We actually got baptized. Zach and I got sprinkled, you know, and I just was kind of seeking God. I started tithing right away. I don't know why I knew I needed to do that, but I didn't know Jesus. I didn't have a personal relationship with him. I knew of him. And how many Christians know of Jesus? You know, how many of our kids, even in my Christian school, know a lot about him? But guess who else does? Enemy. Devil knows a lot about Jesus. But, but I didn't know him personally. I didn't have that personal relationship. So I was still struggling and, and just trying to balance everything. And I remember driving to Crestwood when I was teaching there full time. And do you, any of you remember when Howard Stern was on the radio, like WNONE 97.5 or something like that? So I had this old gray Plymouth car, and the radio didn't work very well. And every morning it would bounce literally between Howard Stern or um, 95.5, I think it was the fish. And John MacArthur would be on in the mornings way back here in the early 90s. And so I'd always joke when I went to Crestwood, I wonder who's going to win out today, heaven or hell? You know, Howard Stern. And I would literally say that to my, my kids at the school. Oh, I wonder what's going to work out today, heaven or hell. Oh, Howard Stern, you know, and, and, or John MacArthur. And so I was getting the word from the radio, which I'm very thankful for. And I heard during the Easter season that year, which was 94, um, the story of Jesus' physical suffering on the cross 
and how as he was nailed up there with every breath he was suffocating and how he felt everything and it shook me and I had to pull off the side of the road and and during that time I was continually saying because I had heard this from some sermon that if you can proclaim with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, then you are saved. But I still question that, you know? So I kept saying, I, Jesus is my savior. And I kept repeating that over and over again. And I did that day as well. But here I was on this journey from that spring to June to really know who Jesus was. And so that sermon was a big um, turning point in my walk with Christ. And then also I started um, just getting up early and praying and praying and reading this book called Joshua. I forget who it's by, Joseph Gerzoni maybe. And it's the story of a carpenter and he comes to town and he's so nice and loving and kind and so smart and he helps everyone. And you get to the end of the book, spoiler alert, and it's Jesus. (laughs) Sorry. It's a good book. But I I had no idea the whole time I was reading this silly book that I was hearing about Jesus and learning who he was and how he treated people and how he loved people and how he's there to help people. And that just shook me to my core. And I remember waking up one morning just crying out to the Lord, crying, crying, crying. And Lord, I need to help me. I can't do this anymore by myself. This is too hard. And I saw Jesus sitting, kneeling at the foot of my bed. And he was praying for me. And as clear as day, I woke up, and I had been praying, and I had tears in my eyes, and I looked, and he was just kneeling there praying. And he looked at me, and I saw his eyes meet my eyes, and he didn't smile, which still bugs me to this day. But he didn't smile, but he was telling me, he's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I felt this peace like I'd never felt before. And I went to this choir concert like I always was going to, and um, I was at this concert, and it was the Henry Lake Children's Choir from Chicago, and they were doing an encore. And at the end of the concert, you know, we're all standing up applauding. And I hear this voice clear as day in this ear. By, and I had, I'd gone by myself. There's nobody around me but a lady, one seat over, like kind of like this. And so she was standing up applauding, and I was applauding, and I heard this voice, you need to start a choir like this for Christian kids. And I'm applauding, and I'm like... I'm looking around, I'm looking at this lady, and she's just applauding. I'm like, okay. I, I, I just shook it off. I kept applauding. I heard it again, clear as day, like audible in my ear. You need to start a choir like this for Christian kids. And I'm like, excuse me, did you say something? She's like, no. And I looked behind me and asked the people behind me. No, they're just applauding. I'm like, oh, that was God. I was just like, oh, I was just crying. And, and from that moment on, with all of those chains of events, from Howard Stern, all right, so he's part of my testimony, from Howard Stern to that book and, and um, this concert and that vision I had of Jesus at the foot of my bed, I knew without a shadow of a doubt who he was and how he loved me and how everything was going to be okay. And from that moment on, I considered that I was born again because I had said the sinner's prayer. I was trying to do it on my own still after all that time but not until that moment when I realized who he was could I give it all to him and when you when you surrender everything to the Lord that's when he can take control and take you where you need to be and so many of you realize that and I pray that if you haven't yet whatever you're holding on to that you turn it over because you may know the rest of the story and I'll just share real quick after I turned everything over to God and I started that Christian choir, guess who I called? 
Somebody that my mom's good friend, Cece Nispel's daughter, had gone on a date with. I called up this guy, Jason Moore, who I didn't really know because I didn't really know him from school. And he came and we started a choir together. We started a ministry together in August. Ben was a member of that ministry. And we got married a year later. And God was so good, good that whole time. And I'm just amazed at, as I look back and I can see how he was with me that whole time. But I didn't know, you know, and maybe you can look back and see that too, how he's with you. You know, we just need to pray that our eyes can be opened to really see who he is and how he's always there. And so my prayer in in sharing my testimony is that you can think back through, you know, what have you struggled with before you became a Christian or even as a Christian, because we all struggle with things all the time. You know, how can you really see Christ? through that test so that you can have a testimony to share with others. So thank you for listening. I give God all the glory. Amen. <laughs> keep keep all of it. <clears throat> okay. Did I say everything I was supposed to say? I think so. Did I yeah. say okay. So I, I want to uh, fill in a couple things uh, just a little bit. And one of them is, you know, why she was singing at um, Cleveland. We were there. I was there. I was there as a... Uh, would have been a junior, uh, I think, or a He's senior, senior in high school. It's okay. <laughs> but, um, but it was interesting because my life in, my life in Christ is a little bit different than hers. She grew up in a different way. Uh, you grew up in, a, in, a, in your lifestyle, which is, is how she was. I made a decision when I was 16 years old to save myself for marriage. And I'm glad to say that on my marriage, uh, the day that I got married, I was able to offer that to my wife. And uh, I offered that to her and said, you know, I'd never been with anyone else in, in my life. But our testimonies are intertwined so closely together. For those that don't know, I, she actually slept over at my house when I was in eighth grade because I was that cool. No, I'm kidding. Uh, she <laughs> I did not pay attention to him. The truth of the matter is she was a friend of my sister's and I was the little brother, right? But uh, all my life growing up, her picture was on our on our on our refrigerator. We had no idea. We had, had no been idea. married a year, and there's my picture on the bulletin board. And how cool is God that there's my band picture on your bulletin board on a button? And who would have known with angels? Yeah. So God is good. So what I want to do uh, with our remaining time that we have today is just to share a little bit of why we're doing this series of sermons. And you can stay. Please stay. Um, one of the things that we have to look at is today. If you look around at most churches today, most churches are not growing today. Most churches are staying, are, are staying basically the same they have been. Uh, events for churches. It used to be a time when you would start a church and you would open up a church, people would come just because it was a church. Our culture was much different back then than what it is. But if I can be truthful with you for a moment and say our culture is not the same as what it was even 10, 15 years ago. 23 years ago, when Ben was as small as uh, my kneecap, which he has never been since, uh, he was, uh, you know, it was different. Culture was different. You could have a Christian choir. You could do those types of things in the community. And people would come and, and accept the Lord. You had people on the street corners that were sharing the gospel message with people. And people were accepting that gospel message. Today, it's not like that. Today, in our culture, it's not like that at all. 
In fact, most people don't want to come to a church today. It takes a relationship with someone to get someone into a church building today. In years past, again, you could just have a church and people would come. Most of the churches uh, that are growing today are growing because people are forming relationships with other people in the community and bringing them along to church. Now, there was a time in the past that you and I and all of us in this room could go into the, go into the community and share the gospel message, share Romans 10 with them and say, if you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to go to hell. And hell is for eternity. It's not for a period of time. It's forever. And that was enough to get people to say, I need to accept Christ. Today, our culture is not like that. Today, our culture is very different. Today, our culture, we have to form a relationship with someone. We have to have a story to tell them. The reason why this series of sermons are so important, can you flip back to that slide, Jeremy, for one second? The, the, uh, the simple reason why it's so important today, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I forgot that I have a monitor right in front of me, Jeremy, and I can read that too. Um, but the, the simple reason is that today, churches aren't growing unless we form a relationship with them. The facts are very evident to us that Christianity is not growing Hardly at all, if any at all. In fact, some uh, recent reports I've seen is Christianity has actually dropped by 10 to 15% in the last two years. Now, how does that mean if someone, if Christianity is dropping by 10 to 15%, that means people are actually leaving their faith. The fields are ready and ripe and ready to hear the stories. Yeah, some of the fields are rotting, as, as my wife just said. They're rotting. Because we don't have people that are willing to go and form a relationship with them. The reason why we're doing these series of sermons is because I want people like Pat. I want people like my wife. I want people to to share their stories. Because the old way of evangelism isn't working today. The old way of evangelism is let's go to church and let's hear a pastor share a message about Christ. Let's hear a pastor say something about Romans 10 and, and sharing and that you must confess with your mouth. All of those things are still true. You must confess with your mouth. You must believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You must accept what he did on the cross. Without those things, you are not a Christian. If you're here today and you have not done those things, then may her story of how God was faithful to her, may his story, Pat's story last week that he shared, how God was faithful even in the difficult times. But our stories that we have to tell with each other are what's going to form that relationship with someone. Eventually, uh, in, in, a, in a month, you're actually going to hear from us in terms of incorporating Jesus into everything that you do. It's called the Seven Mountain uh, Ministries, and, and we're going to talk about that. And, and Corey and myself and Pastor Chaz are all, all going to play a part in this uh, sermon series. But when we share these sermons, what we are talking about is incorporating Jesus into your life. But you have a story. May I tell you that your story doesn't have to be like hers. Your story doesn't have to be like his. Your story could be like mine. My story was simple. I was dating a girl when I was 16 years old. She told me we had to go to church. And I'm like, what church are we going to? And at that church, I gave my life to Christ. That's my testimony story of how I came to know Christ. Now, it's much different. There's much more I could add to that, right? Because my story also includes my prayer about my knee because I didn't want to play father-induced football, which many of you have heard. My testimony, I could even talk, Steve and I were talking about this this week. I have a testimony about 9-11. The day that 9-11 happened, I was on a plane getting ready to fly to New York. In fact, we were on the runway waiting to take off. 
And the pilot came over and said, we're on a ground stop. It's going to be a few minutes. Just sit back and relax. And then all of a sudden, the pilot comes on and says, we are pulling back to the, uh, to the, the gate. And uh, we're not flying today. No one's flying today. You'll find out why when you get off the plane. When I got off the plane, I found out that the planes had crashed into uh, the buildings in New York. But I have that ticket still at home that says I had a flight on September 11th that was supposed to fly to New York that day. But by the grace of God, we didn't fly that day. And so we didn't, we didn't leave. But that's part of my story of who I am. I can go and sit down and tell people this story and begin to open up and crack that shell, if you will. Your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members need to hear from Christ. The simple fact of it is, is that we are called, when Matthew 28, when Jesus gives his great commission in Matthew 28, he says that it is our job, all of our jobs, not the pastor's job, not the pastor's wife's job, not the worship leader's, it's all of our jobs. Everyone who gives their life to Christ is enrolled in a ministry. Do you understand that as soon as you give your life to Jesus Christ, that you are required to share your faith with other people? That means you have to share your story. I've heard many of your stories. And I love them all. But I love that when you tell your story to someone else and it helps open their eyes to what is happening to God, what God is doing in your life and what God is doing in their life. Because the truth of the matter is is that I can put out a million dollars of advertising on newspapers, Facebook, Google, all of these places. And you know how many people we get to come to church? Very few. The simple fact is that All the advertising in the world will not grow a church, will not grow the kingdom of God. What's going to grow the kingdom of God is us telling our stories to other people to see how good God is. Because when you can look at her life and you can look at her tears as as tears are coming out of her eyes when she talks about the the difficulties she had as being teased, but then also the, the wonders of God coming into her life, that means something. When you hear Pat tell his story of how he crawled from the motorcycle over to his wife that's in the middle of the the road and put his job back in place to try to revive her that's a testimony that you could never replace that's a story that you could never replace but it gets people to begin to think i need what they have in their life i need what she has in her life i need what he has in his life, because all the trouble that he went through and all of the things that he's gone through, he can still stand up and say, God is good. I may not be happy. I may have problems with him and we may have some discussions. Pat and I have that talk all the time, but God is still good. Your story is important. Your story needs to be told. Your story needs to be told to someone else. Each and every single person in this room has a story to share with Jesus Christ. You are included in that. I don't care if you came to Christ when you were three years old. I don't care if you came to know Christ and, and, and sang with me and we sang a wonderful song, Ben, right? Part of his testimony is singing with me when I could sing. But, but <laughs> yes, that's a good part of your testimony, Ben. Come on now. Part of his testimony is just living his life. Part of her testimony, which you're, you're going to hear, is going through what she's going through. Part of our testimony is living for Christ and going through what we're going through. You each have a story to tell, but we have to tell the story. We have to tell the story to the people around us because if we don't tell the story and we don't share with the people around us, who is? The truth of the matter is is that if you're not sharing with Christ with your neighbors and you're not sharing Christ with your loved ones and you're not sharing Christ with your coworkers, 
then you're probably asking and helping them serve an eternity in hell. That's a difficult thing to say. But it's the truth. The truth is, is that we as Christians, if you're here today and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you have been given the, the, the commandment. It wasn't just a suggestion by Jesus. It was a commandment. It's called the great commandment to go out into the world and to share Christ. People tell me all the time, I can't do that. I don't know what to say. Yeah, you do. It's your story. One thing I know about people is everyone likes to talk about themselves. It's just the way it is. It's human nature. But let's talk about how God saved us. Let's talk about how God made a difference in our lives. Go out and share that story. You look like you're going to say something. Go ahead. I want to pray for people to be given the Great Commission on their lives as a mantle. And then also, when you're talking about the word story all the time, and you think about history, your history, it's his story in your life. And I always think of that word history as his story, you know. And when you say to go out and share Christ, it's really just sharing what Christ has done in your life. You know, just talk about how he's impacted you, and that's going to impact others. So I want to pray for that great commission, that mantle to fall on people. Yeah. Yeah. Worship team, you guys can come out. Will you stand with us, please? Truth of the matter is, is this is a very different style of, of sermon series. I, I get it. I understand. But I want to do this sermon series because I want you to all know that you all have a story to tell. You have a commission to go out and share your story with everyone else. And we're doing this, and I'm spending this time because I think it's important for us to know each other, right? It's real important to know what he's gone through. It's real important to know what she's gone through. It's real important to know what other people have gone through or what they are going through. It's also real important to receive encouragement from her to receive encouragement from him. No joke, the reason why I like to spend so much time with him is because he teaches me how to love God even when things aren't going well. Every time I see him and I hear his testimony, I think about that. The reason why I love spending so much time with her is because she's my wife. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm not kidding. That is the truth, right? I'm fun to be with. Yeah, she is fun to be with. But she reminds me of the goodness of God. She does, really. And how God blessed her so much. Each of us has a story to tell and we have to be out telling this story because we need to win people to Christ. No joke, I want to turn the numbers around not only in this community but all the communities around us. I want to turn the statistics around. I don't want to see churches dying. I don't want to see Christianity dying and Christianity reversing. I want to see it increasing. And I'm not just saying our church here because I don't really, honestly, I don't care if our church grows. I care about if the kingdom of God grows. Because the kingdom of God, if the kingdom of God, yes, I want our church to grow. Don't go home and tell people that I don't want our church to grow, because I do. But what's more important to me is that we win people to Christ. That we bring people to that cross and we get them to say, I believe in Jesus Christ and I accept what he did on the cross. But the truth of the matter is, is I can't do this alone. She can't do this alone. Tanya can't do this alone. Pat can't do this alone. It's going to take every single one of us Because Teresa is going to see people that I never see. 
Amy is going to see people that I never see. Chad is going to have interactions with people that I will never see. Steve is going to see people that I will never see. It's the truth of the matter. Every single one of us has a sphere of people that God has put around us. That he has placed you in, your, in their lives on purpose. Not so you can just be buddy-buddy with them and have a good time. But that's it. listen, there's nothing wrong with that. But God has placed you in those people's lives so that you have a commitment and a commandment to go forward and share Jesus with them. If we would all have the idea of saying, my story is important. But what's even more important is these people need to come to Jesus Christ. I don't want to see anyone go to hell. I don't want to see my neighbors go to hell. I don't want to see anyone in my church go to hell. I don't want to see people in this school go to hell. I want to do everything I can do to bring them to Jesus Christ. And so that's what I'm doing. And so what we want to do as a couple is we want to pray for the Great Commission, for you to grab a hold of that and say, I have a story to tell. I have a story. Your story is just, again, how God has worked in your life. You have that story to tell. But I want to encourage you to go out and share this story with people. Listen, for 13 years, we have been up here preaching this message. And sometimes I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. But the truth of the matter is, is that Christianity is not going to grow unless all of us play a part in it. Unless every single one of us that are in this room and in the churches all around this community and all around this great state and all around this great country, unless we make a commitment to share our story and start to talk to people about who Christ is, Christianity will continue to decline. Let's make a commitment not to let that happen. Not on my watch. And hopefully not on your watch too. So what we want to do is pray. I want to ask you to just receive it. If you want to come forward, we'd love to pray for you. If you just want to sit in your seats, we would like, that's fine too. What we want to do is just pray the great commission over you, that you would accept that and the understanding of how important that is. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you that you have in Matthew 28 given us the great commandment. But Lord, the great commandment is for us to go out as Christians to share that there is a real place called heaven, that there is a real place called hell, and that we do have a choice to accept that. Father, I am tired of Christians who don't share their story with people, and they are basically just watching them go to hell. Father, let us not be those that do that today. Let us take a hold of the Great Commission. Father, I want to commission all of those that are in this room that are willing to accept it, the Great Commission that you have given to us in Matthew 28. And so, Father, we pray over every single person in this room who's willing to receive it, the power, the strength, the authority that you give to us so that we can go out and bring people into the kingdom of God with you. Father, we love you, we glorify you, we honor you, we praise you, and we just ask you again today to give us the strength to share our stories, to share how good you have been in our lives. Even when times have been tough, you were there. Even when times are good, you have been there. We all have a story to share that points back to you. And may we do that. May we have the power, the strength to get off our behinds to walk over to our neighbors, to go to our co-workers, to go to our classmates, to go to the people around us and share how good you have been in our life and see people come to the salvation that only you can offer to them. 
Lord, we thank you. We glorify you. We praise you. Father, we ask you, do what only you can do, Father. And may everything, every story that we tell, everything that we say, point back to how wonderful you are and what you have done in our lives. We give you glory, Father. We give you praise. We give you honor in this place. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.